There's always a little bit of a risk when you come to church on the Sunday after the preacher has been away on vacation, because there's the possibility that there's going to be the cheapest category of sermon offered that Sunday, which is the preacher's travel log. But I did want to share one little detail about the trip that Jesse and I took to Southern California last week. First of all, the weather was the same as it was in New York City. But second of all, we did some really great eating, as one can do in California. We had several excellent meals, one after another. But at a certain point, I just felt like there was something a little bit off. There was something not entirely satisfying. We were sitting at the dinner table one night when I mentioned this to Jesse, and he said, of course, Californians undersalt their food. It's true. It was one of the reasons I was happy to come back to New York City, where we know how to use salt. (laughs) I was pondering this uh, earlier this week as well, when I had another interesting experience. Back in the fall, when I was going through a stressful time, a colleague of mine, the Reverend John Murs, who's the priest in Greenpoint, up off the G train on Kent Street at the Church of the Ascension, gave me a gift. There is a place not too far from his church where you can go and experience something called a sensory deprivation tank, which sounds pretty weird. But the deal is you you go in and there's like a tub full of extremely salty water that is heated to body temperature. And you go in and they turn the lights off and you're there and you have absolutely no senses whatsoever because you are floating in water in complete and utter darkness and silence. Doesn't that sound like fun and a nice way to relax? But actually, it's not so bad. And I did it again this week, and one of the dangers of going into this tub is that your body is completely covered in salt. If you touch your eyes, it starts to sting. If you have a cut, it's going to sting the whole time because in this little bathtub size of water, there is over 1,500 pounds of salt dissolved into that water. And I felt like I was getting a little bit of what I needed when we were eating back in California earlier in the week. But isn't that interesting? Salt has so much power over us in the way that we experience the world. If there's too little of it, then the food is bland. and We can't really see the world the way we should, whether with our mouths or ears or noses. And if there's an overabundance of it, then like in the sensory deprivation tank, it can actually take away all of our senses entirely. It's an interesting model because salt governs the way that we interact with the world. Jesus tells his followers during the Sermon on the Mount that they are the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth. This phrase has been interpreted many different ways, and it's in our common language to describe a person who is grounded, who keeps the, the world moving day by day, someone that is like a rock or a pillar of society. But when you dig down a little bit more as to what salt actually is, you can see that this is an even more powerful metaphor than that. 
When Jesus is telling us that we are the salt of the earth, he is telling us that we are the way that God experiences the earth and the way that the earth experiences God. Jesus is highlighting for us the importance of the senses to the spiritual life. Christianity, he is proclaiming, is a sensory religion, a sensual religion, where all of our senses are engaged in this spiritual pursuit. He's basically saying that there's nothing wrong with using our senses to understand God and the world around us. In fact, without it, we are trampled underfoot and useless. You might remember there was a, a book that came out a couple years ago called Salt, written by the author Mark Kurlansky. In the book, he outlines how salt in so many ways has shaped civilizations, shaping trading routes and leading to the rise of cities that were located near salt mines. Salt was in the news recently. You might have seen that the Russian military had an assault on a Ukrainian town called Solodar, which actually means gift of salt. The town was founded in order to be next to these salt mines, and the Ukrainian soldiers were hiding in the salt mines deep under the earth for many weeks while they were trying to resist this Russian assault. But you can see that without salt, there's even less of human history that unfolds Because without salt, our bodies themselves cannot experience the world. Of course, there is salt that needs to be added to food to taste it, but there's so much more than that. Without salt, we couldn't see. Think about the saline in your tears. Of course, you've heard of smelling salts. They're not the same type of salts as table salt, but nonetheless, That's a way to heighten your sense of smell. We wouldn't actually hear anything without salt. You probably know that the inner ear is a very complex little organ, and one of them holds something that is a saline solution called endolymph. This endolymph begins to vibrate when sound waves hit it, and then it transmits those sound waves to a nerve that interprets them as sound to our brains. The next time you take a long walk or go for a jog or simply outside on a hot day, you will of course notice that you are sweating and your sweat is full of salt. That's the body's way of keeping itself cool, but it's also a way that we can feel the earth around us because our body is constantly wanting us to do that. There's this whole world around us, this created order, and there is no way that we could understand it or experience it without salt. The same could be said of light, which is probably why Jesus pairs salt and light in this sermon. I was pondering that once again when I was in that sensory deprivation tank, complete and utter darkness. You feel like a brain in a vat full of goo if you can't see or feel anything at all. If there were no light, we wouldn't see anything of the world around us whatsoever. This is all pretty clear. 
Our God is a sensory God. Our God is a God who wants us to sense the world around us. And what's more, God uses us as senses. We, in some mystical way, truly are an intermediary between God and the rest of creation, feeling our way through this world. Scripture, of course, is replete with images and teachings about this very thing. Psalm 34 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. There's no way to taste that without salt. When Jesus goes to his first wedding of Cana and transforms a vat of water into wine, it's not just any old wine. It's the absolute best wine that is served at the event. We have this same principle in our own liturgy. When you feel the crunch of the wafer from the Eucharist in your mouth, it can recall the crunch of Jesus' bones on the cross, the very event that made that Eucharist possible to begin with. You see, contrary to what you may have heard or been brought up with in different Christian or religious traditions, there is nothing wrong with the senses. In fact, they are absolutely crucial in order to being able to follow God, to see God, and to understand God, to proclaim God in the world. God wants us to engage all of our senses for our benefit and also for that of everyone around us. If that were not the case, God would not have given us these great five senses, nor would God have given us salt, nor would Jesus have told us that we are the salt of the world. Even when we engage in spiritual practices that deny our senses, things like fasting, the purpose is not to wall ourselves off from God, but rather to heighten our sense of our senses so that we remove sensory overload from the many things that barrage us over the course of the day and the week and even the year. Unfortunately, Christianity for many centuries and millennia has been interpreted as a religion that wants us to move away from our senses, not to enjoy things like good food or good music, things that teach us to not trust our senses, but rather that faith is some kind of extrasensory experience. But that couldn't be further from the truth. As scripture points out, as Jesus preaches, as our own experience dictates, we need our senses in order to be able to live the full life of God. So there is no reason to be afraid of your senses. Rather, there's something to dig into. It's God's way of communicating with you. When you see a beautiful angle of the sun shining on a tree, that's God speaking to you. When you smell a familiar smell, something that gives you comfort or maybe inspiration, that is also God speaking to you. The next time you enjoy your favorite dish, maybe something that reminds you of home or a loved one, and we know that that thing will be well salted, of course, That's also God speaking to you. There's no reason to avoid these things. Rather, they're to be embraced, 
small little miracles that God offers us that we can only truly understand and appreciate if we are in tune with our senses. It's all God speaking to us. And what a gift. So, my friends, dig into your senses. Be the salt of the earth. Because without the salt of the earth, the earth is pretty bland. God needs us and our senses in order to make this creation whole. And we need our senses in order to see and understand God. Amen.